Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Monday, April 6, 2019, and this is the MMA Hour, right here on MMAfighting.com. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. My name is Luke Thomas. I am the host of this program. Did you miss me? Probably not, but I missed you, and as a consequence of how long I was gone, I wanted to make sure we came back with a big show. So that's exactly what we're going to do today. Not one, two champions on the show today. Number one, your UFC strawweight champion, Rose Namajunas, will be here. We'll talk to her about facing Jessica Andrade at UFC 237. Bellator lightweight champ, Michael Chandler, is gonna be here. He faces Patricio Pitbull at Bellator 221, putting his title on the line. We'll talk about that uh, as well with him. Manager uh, in charge, Dominance MMA CEO, Mr. Controversy himself. Ali Abdelaziz is gonna be here in studio making his MMA hour, at least under my auspices, debut. And the Bellator Welterweight Grand Prix semi-finalist, Neiman Gracie is going to be here as well, also right here in studio. Plus, you're gonna be my guest, not one, but two different ways. First, of course, with your tweets. Thank you for sending them using the hashtag, the MMA hour. Keep sending them, we always appreciate that when you do. And keep lighting up the phones. Call 244, what am I saying? 844-866-2468. One more time, that number, 844-866-2468. International callers, as always, can email us, hour at voxmedia.com. Yeah? Okay, let me get a sip of this oil and watch it simmer and boil. Um, by the way, I said this to the boys in the back. They finally had some artificial sweetener today here in the uh, Vox Media offices. If you are against artific- artificial sweeteners, you're the anti-vaxxers of sweet things. That's what you are, because if you pay attention to what the science actually says, it's perfectly fine for you. I know folks don't think that because they hear what their grandmother's cousin brother said, but it's not true. I'm gonna have this and I'm going to enjoy it. Mmm. You know what that tastes like? Deliciousness. I don't know, I had a better punchline, but I botched it because I'm tired. Um, all right. So I spoke to the UFC strawweight champ yesterday. She flies to Brazil today. She faces Jessica Andrade at UFC 237 in your main event. Here is my conversation with Rose Namajunas. All right, and I am joined now by the UFC strawweight champion of the world, Rose Namajunas, who defends her title against Jessica Andrade at UFC 237 this upcoming weekend. Rose, are you currently in Brazil or no? No, I'm at home. (laughs) <laughs> when are you yeah, we leave, we leave tomorrow. Ah, what's tomorrow. That? Uh, have you, what's the furthest away you've ever competed from home? The furthest, I think, is New York. So, what Oh, no. Just... Well, I guess technically I've um, 
back when I was in high school, I did a, I uh, flew to Portugal to do a pancreation tournament. But that was like when I was in, I was about like maybe 16, 17. So what are you feeling about going to Brazil? Nerves like in a good way? Uh, excited about the travel? What do you think? Uh, you know, it's always kind of, I mean, this time is different um, from any other time. Obviously, it's, it's always unique. Oh, wait, hold on one second. Um, uh, yeah, it's this time it's, uh, it's pretty scary. I must say, you know, it's, it's kind of, I feel like I'm in uncharted territory, even though, um, I have a lot of experience. Um, there's a lot of things that I do know, but there's definitely a lot of unknowns going into this one. In, in terms of just being in a foreign country. Um, yeah, I think that, and, you know, I spent, I spent, um, you know, not just the last year fighting the same girl, Joanna, um, but then years prior to that, even after, you know, having other opponents, I still was thinking about her. So this is the first time where I'm not thinking about her. I'm thinking about somebody else and thinking about Andras. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's always just a fight against myself. So, you know, just remembering that is, uh, has been a challenge, but, you know, it's, it's something that I'm uh, going to overcome. Do you feel like popularity wise, the worm has turned? And the reason why I ask that is because from the outside looking in, it, it, it feels that way. Now you kind of live a life that, um, you, it sounds to me like you have a, a, and I mean, this is in a positive way, it's also a simple life, but have you felt like yeah. the, the weight, not the weight, but the, do you feel that the popularity turn yourself? Uh, sorry, you cut off for a second. Yeah. I'm saying, do you feel the popularity the pop- turn yourself? Yeah. Uh, turned towards me. Yeah. In terms of like the, how much it's grown. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, it's hard for me to, uh, pay attention to that, like really to quantify that in, in my head. I think that, um, you know, I think more and more people like slowly are always, I'm, I feel like my popularity is always growing, um, over time at a steady rate. I mean, this isn't, you know, success overnight, even, even after getting the belt, it was, it's just been kind of the steady incline ever since, you know, my career started. Um, so let's talk about USC 237, taking on your opponent, Jessica Andrade. You know, uh, sort of we know what we have here to a degree, right? Uh, super powerful, uh, used to be a bantamweight even. Um, when you size her up, how do you estimate what you are up against? Um, I'm up against uh a very experienced, well-rounded, uh, formidable opponent who's, you know, got a lot of great physical qualities. Um, you know, she's, she also has a lot of experience. So on the mental side, she's also, she's, she's a pretty complete fighter. I will say, um, as far as like physically, you know, is concerned, I feel like, um, you know, my body type, I think it's better, uh, it's better for MMA, but at the same time, you know, it's just going to come down to, yeah, just me being myself, and uh, and that's really there all this to it. You know, I, said, I, I don't challenge it, but I would love to hear your explanation for it. What is it about your body type that you think is more suited for MMA? Um, I'm more dynamic. I think I can do it all. Whereas, um, she's a short fighter. She has to close the distance. She can't. Um, she there's certain things that she has to do in this fight, and for me, um, I have a lot of options. I don't have to do one particular thing. Um. 
So yeah, I'm just more dynamic and, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, all, I guess uh, the only requirements are just being myself. Certainly. Uh, were you able, I, I, it's hard for me to ask this question because, you know, I'm not in a camp. I don't know, um, either what your strategy might be or how you prep or prep, but is it foolish to ask, are you able to take anything from how your other opponent, you want to get check fought her? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, she just didn't let anything face her. I think that was mainly the, the, the key ingredient to her success. Um, you know, I think that stylistically, you know, she, she, she did a good job at, um, defending the takedowns and, and just keep, uh, snapping the jab, um, and, and just constant movement. And, you know, those are things that, uh, you know, obviously, we we take into consideration. We know that um, Andras uh, has trouble with movement. You know, she she kind of just comes forward. She calls herself the tractor, and she just plots forward. So um, yeah, if you try to uh, stop a tractor head on, you might have some problems. But um, you know, you just if you just roll out of the way uh, out of a tractor, I mean, it can't roll you over. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair point. Uh, anything analogous? to what you faced and how similar is she to anybody else you fought before in, in, in any context? Um, I think she's, uh, she's pretty unique. I say, I, I don't think I've ever fought anybody quite like her. Um, I think that there's, uh, parts of her that kind of, kind of remind me of, um, Pat Berry in a way, you know, just the way that she, when she fought at 35, she was fighting girls that were, you know, way bigger, but she kind of just like, always surprise people at, you know, just how explosive and how, um, you know, regardless of her, her, uh, her size, she was able to, to, you know, be a dangerous opponent no matter what. So in that sense, she kind of reminds me of Pat in a way, um, you know, but then there's times where, uh, I mean, I guess at 115, she's been pretty consistent other than fighting Ioana, but she's kind of, she's kind of got a, you know, uh, she's always going to come and fight hard, but you know, I see, I've seen, um, her. Yeah. Yeah. He, I, I just, I just noticed that, you know, uh, she, there's certain things that she has to do when she gets in there, she has to get close. And, um, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you about this earlier, but I, I tabled it cause I wanted to discuss Jessica, but, um, you know, every fighter dreams of doing what you're doing, right? Traveling the world, defending a title, being in the UFC. It's kind of great. Uh, is being the champion fun? Do you, it, it, I don't mean fighting. I mean, being the champion. Yeah. Um, at the moment, you know, it's, uh, it is fun, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge to remember that and to remind yourself to, to, they keep having fun, you know, uh, I will say it's not always fun. There's, there's times where, I mean, today's been kind of one of those days, but, uh, you just got to keep fighting and keep, keep, uh, pushing along. Uh, I was looking through your Instagram in preparation for this interview and it's something I've been thinking about for a while, but it was, I saw some things there that reminded me of it. Uh, how long would you say that you had what I would describe? And maybe you don't think this is a fair characterization, but I, I bet you do. How long would you say you've had a special connection to animals? Uh, since I was born. <laughs> or now, since I could remember, I guess. All right, so um, how, do, how did you know that? Like, what was the moment where you realized you had a, a bond with them? Yeah, um, I guess, uh, you know, since I could remember, I always was, like, 
you know, drawing pictures of animals. I always uh, had a bunch of stuffed animals, like, all the time. Uh, Lion King was, like, my favorite movie. <laughs> um, you know, and then uh, in uh, kindergarten, they asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up, and um, I said I wanted to be a farmer. And so, yeah, that's just been, it's, and it still hasn't changed. I still, you know, right now we're, I'm sitting at, I'm sitting outside looking at my uh, my raspberry bushes that we just planted in the garden. So I'm just getting, you know, uh, each step closer every day to, to doing really what I want to do. I mean, obviously, uh, mixed martial arts is a, is a huge part of my life and it's always going to be. And um, this is something that I love doing as well. But, you know, uh, I think gardening is like the only thing or just, you know, yeah, gardening is, is about is is it comes it comes pretty close to to comparing with fighting in terms of how much I love it. What are the things you like to grow? Um so right now we have um we got some tomato plants, some cucumbers, uh we have uh raspberry bushes, herbs, flowers. Um we've even got some eggplant um and uh you know being in Colorado we also got a Weed plants too. <laughs> <laughs> I can certainly imagine. Is that that's got to be legal, right? Yeah. 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 It's uh, completely legal here, so you know that's just uh, yeah. That's funny. It's, uh, I've, it's heard, I've heard I've heard weed is hard to grow. Is that true? It it's um, you know it's it's not as hard as uh I'd say it's not harder than like growing tomato plants. I think people just make all these rules and you know, this is what you have to do and you have to do the pH level and you have to this many hours and do this and do that. And we just kind of like, you know, go with what we feel. And, you know, I guess that kind of applies to a training camp as well. Like, you know, people always say like, you got to carb up, man, or you got to eat your protein or you got to train for this many hours and do this thing and do this stretch. And, um, and, you know, sometimes I kind of do that to myself as well. I make all these rules for myself. And then when it gets down to it, it's just like, it's a fight. You either can fight or you can't, you know? Yeah, I could certainly imagine. Uh, a couple more questions for you. I really appreciate your time. You know, it was another thing that sort of occurs to me when I think about your career and your trajectory and some of the things you take seriously. One of them is, um, and I don't, I guess I also mean physical rehabilitation. But one of the things I think you take seriously that a lot of fighters don't is self-care right? Thinking about their yeah. lives, the things they need to do to live in a healthy, balanced way. Why is it you think you're a bit of an outlier in that regard where a lot of other athletes don't, again, they might take the ice baths and, you know, lay off the sparring, but that's, there's more to it than that. And you seem to have picked up on that. How come no one else has, or not many people have? Um, you mean in terms of like psychologically or just yeah, like, like, like uh, th th there's more to life than merely uh, aiding and abetting oh. the body, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, I think me just given my certain genetics and my upbringing and everything like that, like I know that I've, I'm born with a lot of talent and skill. And, um, also, you know, I, I, I have a great work ethic as well. Um, and a lot of my life, uh, I spent, you know, I, I didn't really have much of a childhood because I was always just like, working, working, working all the time. And, you know, it's gotten to me where I am today. So it's like a blessing, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you, uh, I realized the importance of also like being able to, um, have fun and try not to put too much pressure on myself because what's up? Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, so 
you know, I think just with my, um, my father not being in my life because of, you know, his, uh, mental illness and stuff, it's kind of like, he's, he's, that's kind of a reminder for me to just like try to reach my potential as much as possible. And like, you know, just because, uh, I may have all the excuse, I can come up with all the excuses in the world to like not do something or, you know, like, you know, I don't, I didn't have to take this fight. I didn't have to come to Brazil and leave, leave my home to, to fight this girl. Um, you know, but at the same time, it's like huge opportunity and it's a great, it's a great way to, you know, reach my potential and, uh, and give it a shot, you know, and if, if, if that doesn't happen, then, then, you know, that's meant to be. And that's, that's really, there all is to it, but, you know, I just have to do my best. I shouldn't just like waste it and, you know, just turn into a vagabond on the street, you know, cause I could totally do that any minute now. <laughs> it is a little bit unusual though, right? That you're going to the challenger's hometown seems to be even make more yeah. sense that they would go to yours, but I guess they're trying to, obviously they're trying to till the soil, so to speak of the Brazilian market. I guess that's all you attribute it to. Um, uh, I don't really know what the reason is. I think, uh, I mean, I don't know. To me, I just think like all I can, uh, all I know is that it's a, it's just a great opportunity for me. Um, one to not only just have like a really cool experience and, uh, meet all my Brazilian fans. And that's just something that I've had opportunities to go to Brazil before, but just never lined up, um, quite the way I wanted it to. So, you know, it's just, opportunity for me and that's kind of how i'm really looking at it as and uh i'm just going to try to make the best of it all right so here's the most important question for you are you going to see the new lion king like live action (laughs) thingy when it comes out um you know what uh i i have a feeling that the live action ain't gonna be as good as the 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 cartoon you know what i mean like just kind of like it just seems weird you know I don't know. <laughs> it is a little. Early. I, I, I saw a trailer today. It looked pretty good. Really? Okay, because you know I, I I'll probably have to check that out. But um, because I don't really stay current on movies that well, but or like TV for that matter. However, we I finally gave in and and gave Avengers a chance, the last one, Ooh. and so it was actually really good. And I usually don't like super mo- superhero movies or anything like that, and I, I actually don't even really care for movies that much anymore but that one was actually like way better than i was expecting and maybe i'll check out the uh the new the new avengers movie that just came out <laughs> i just saw it actually it was actually pretty good if you like the last one you'll like this one too that's my that's my luke thomas okay. guarantee all right yeah <laughs> uh all right yeah. Rose, i really I appreciate you good, so. say again i said i heard it was really good so yeah i'll check it out it is definitely very good. You'll enjoy it. But, of course, you got bigger action to take care of at uh, UFC 237. Yeah. Congratulations on the headlining slot. We really appreciate your time. Safe travels. Can't wait to see you fight. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. And there she goes, Rose Namajunas. Appreciate her stopping by on the show today. Best of luck in Brazil. Looking forward to UFC 237 this weekend. Uh, let's call it a bit of an audible because I want to give more time to it. It's... I, it might be my favorite segment. Monday morning analysis up there. Fighter interviews are pretty good. But uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we call a bit of an audible? Let's do the sound off right here on the show. All right. Sound off time. Time for me to check in with my main squeeze. 
The lime to, I got a good one for you. Ready? The lime to my chicharron. How about that? Hey, that's what's up. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> all right. How are you doing? Did you miss me? Yeah, Probably yeah. not. That's all right. No, no, of course. Yeah, I missed the show. Missed everyone. First of all, how are you? Congrats on the baby. Thanks. How are you feeling? Tired. But, but, but what else I is bet. new? I mean, but M- new. MMA media has trained you well, right? To perform Yeah, exactly. Exhaustion. Like, yeah. people are like, oh my God, it's going to change your sleep. No, it's no, it's not. It's, <laughs> I'm well trained for this. So I don't know what y'all were talking <laughs> yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a I little figured. bit. It's a little bit less sleep, but it's just a. I have to just sort of rejigger how I do it. Right. Um, but it's great, man. The baby was healthy. Um, wife is a bit run down, as you can well imagine, but healthy. Yeah. And I send all my love to her and my little one, Miha. She's doing great. She put on. I was saying this. I told him Monday it was not quite right. People don't know this. Babies are born and then they lose weight because they're getting food on demand through the umbilical okay. cord. Yeah, I had no idea about that. And uh, if you go right to formula, they don't. But if mm-hmm. you decide to breastfeed, it could be a bit of a gap between birth and when. The mother starts producing milk. Anyway, so she lost a little bit of weight, and then uh, we had to go get her checked out. We went home from the hospital on a Monday, and we had to go to the, the you know get her checked out on a Tuesday. And they were like, "Yeah, she's lost even more. Here's what you got to do." But then my wife began to to breastfeed her because it, it began to to work out. By Friday, she had gained a pound and a half, bro, in four days. Yeah, she's out there getting fat. So I was uh, very happy to see that. Yeah, bulking. It's bulking season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, long story short, man, I'm, I'm regaling people with stories they don't care about, awesome. but I'm doing good. No, no, I'm, dude, a lot of fans called, a lot of fans tweeted about it. Uh, people care, man. Let me just Congrats say this. I got a, this is a big moment. It is a big moment. I appreciate that. I'll let me just say this very quickly. I got a ton of tweets and emails and Facebook messages and Instagram messages from a lot of people wishing me well uh, about the birth. I have not responded to all of them, but if you did, thank you, thank you, thank you. This baby entered the world with a lot of love. And and honestly, dude, I've, I, I, this may shock you. I'm actually doing quite well. I feel very happy. <laughs> That's good to what know, man. have you man. heard That's me say know. that, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Dad Thomas, maybe you're going to go on a, on a streak like, uh, like Cerrone. Yeah, be like yeah, Dad yeah. Thomas out there just, you know, mauling yeah. people. Probably yeah, not, but still. It's a good segue into our first question All because right. a caller asked about that. So let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Hey, Luke, Danny, everybody in the back. This is Ben from RVA. Just wanted to give you guys a quick call and mainly tell Luke congratulations on the birth of your child. I'm sure it's an exciting moment for you and your family, and I'm sure you'll be a at least passable father. Uh, But on to the more serious (laughs) MMA discussion, I just wanted to check in and see, now that you are also a father, do you identify a little bit more with fighters like Donald Cerrone and Dustin Poirier, whose career seems with the birth of their children, they seem to find new motivation and new drive to succeed for the sake of their children. I'm curious to see if you've felt any inkling of that yourself. All right, I'm going to cut it right there. Yeah, um, Shasta, Virginia, long. by the way. It's a great place. Yeah. Love it. I've only been there once and I loved it. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. How long ago? Um, like two years ago, maybe? Okay, so pretty recent. Yeah, yeah it's a cool town. It's a really cool maybe, town. Yeah, like two years ago. One about. of America's hidden gems. Yeah. Um, Some of the best pasta I've I've had was there. And yeah. I've been all over Italy, so. Yeah, yeah, The food, in, people don't know yeah. this. The, the food in Richmond, Virginia is unbelievable. And yeah. I don't know if you know this, the tattooing there is quite high as well. Did not know that. Yeah, I got a few tattoos there. Yeah, so that's actually somebody, so, something I wanted to ask you. Like, is there like a tangible sense of, I don't know. Do you feel any different now that you're a father? Actually, and like, yeah, do you feel it's, like- it's so funny. Um, and I'm only been a dad for what eight, nine days, something yeah. like that. My wife was my baby was born two twenty five in the morning on Saturday. Um, yes, here's what I would say though. I was already kind of working at my maximum capacity. I was more, I was busier than I could even be productive. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. my life was filled with so much work. I wasn't actually doing the highest quality of work. If the baby has done anything, and some, by the way, some dads don't bond with their kid until several months into the baby's existence. 
that was not how I felt. I felt something immediate. Um, and I feel something immediate even talking about it. It has, it has began because it's such a new process. It had, it had an immediate impact on how I evaluate my priorities. I will be honest about that. Um, not sure exactly how they will change and what capacity or when, but yeah, like there was a real recentering about, okay, what not only is my responsibility, what more could I do, but what more could I do effectively and in the right way? And, um, that has been something I've been thinking about every single day, quite candidly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's crazy. So that Cerrone must be a real thing, you know? Uh, I, 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 without knowing him better, it's hard to say exactly yeah. how it changes him. Because in MMA, you know this very well, Dan. Yeah, yeah. We like to say things like, oh, this thing affected him. A weight, weight class it's change. It's all about storylines. Yeah, it's all yeah. about storylines. And you just never really know if that's real. Donald Cerrone has a lot of success in short bursts when he changes weight class. Is that exactly what's happening here? And we're just attributing yeah. it to that? You know, it's really hard to say. I think the tape does show a more mature, technically refined fighter. Yeah. Um, and the Ally Quinta win, people aren't talking about this. Dude. That's one of the better wins in Don Cerrone's career. Dude, yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he came in as an underdog. I don't know. Probably. Dude, yeah. Al's, <laughs> Al's, Al's legit, really good. Bro. Yeah. He's really good. So for me, um, is there something to it? Hard to say. Hard to say exactly. But uh, I wouldn't discount it if it was true. I yeah. put it to you like that. Cool. And for, for someone like, um, I think it's more true for Dustin Poirier. Because Dustin Poirier was in, you know, juvenile detention and yeah. was kind of a, you know, I love Dustin, but I think he would agree. He was kind of a mess up early in his life. And he got recentered real quickly with the baby. And yeah. and I think that put him on a very clear, defined path. Yeah. So for that, I think it's a little more attributable. For Donald, could be. We'll have to see. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, uh, let's talk about a question about mindset. I thought this was a, a very good question. Okay. Hello, I'm Matthew calling out of New York. Uh, my question has to do with Donald Cerrone talking about how he's a dad and 3-0 and from that. How important is mindset in MMA? Oh, so Go ahead. I don't know. I, I, I thought this question was great because I feel like watching Donald Cerrone fight this weekend and, and his past couple performances as well, like, sure, I'm sure there's some improvement there. Like, he's gotten better. But I think the clear difference is the mindset that he's... he's uh, taking in, you know, with, like, using with his career right now. Because if, if you look at it, like, before he was always like, yo, I'll fight anybody anywhere. And he was kind of careless about his career in a way. I, I'm sure he would agree to that oh, as well. Sure. Now he's, like, super focused and he's actually like, oh, I need mean meaningful opponents. I actually need to take breaks. You know, he's actually planning this whole thing out. And I think, you know, having a kid really, really uh, pushed him to do that. Mm. Um, so I guess how, how important is mindset? Because skill-wise, he looks about the same. I'm, I'm sure he's improved, but... I mean, we didn't see like a drastically new cowboy out there. Here's what I would say. You can win inside. The people don't want to admit this, but it's true. Yeah. You can win with almost any mindset in the UFC. I have seen fighters afraid and win. I have seen fighters overconfident and win. I have seen fighters no emotion and win. I've seen fighters sad and win. I've seen fighters happy and win. I've seen it all. But the very best ones always say the same thing. There's a real clarity about, number one, who they are. Yeah. There's a clarity of the task at hand. And there's a clarity of their purpose, both in that particular moment and then more generally. They just have a keen awareness of everything. And then, by the way, just because there's clarity doesn't mean there also isn't fatigue or sadness right, or yeah. fear. There can be those things, too. But think about the very best fighters. I mean, name somebody. John Jones, right? Mm -hmm. Dude, John Jones has clarity of purpose. 
He is very clear about what he wants to do in there. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean like I know exactly what I want to do if he throws a left hook, but there's just this general calmness about understanding what I have to do, who I am, and where I'm headed in this short and longer journey. Donald Cerrone talks like he has clarity of purpose yes. now. Yeah. That to me stands out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's super key. I feel like as as you mentioned, uh, you know, you can have you can win with any type of mindset, but I feel like that goes specifically to a moment, to a fight. But if you're talking about like having a sustained, Great point. long streak, yep. you need that mindset. Like you you can't go with like a different mindset every time. You need a mission. You need a purpose. Right. That's right. Uh, which is super important. And for example, we just, uh, you know, we didn't have a show last week, but we would have talked about Roy McDonald, like his mindset. Right. Like he looks about the same fighter as far as skill wise, but like his mindset is changing the way he fights. And the differences know? are subtle. People are like, oh, it's the yeah. same guy on tape. No, it is not. Yeah. No, it is not the same guy on tape. I interviewed Rory McDonald before he fought Shea Mills in Atlanta. That was the Shea card. Shea Mills, wow. Yeah. yeah. That was the card, back. if you don't, rec if you recall, where uh, John Jones, speaking of which, fought Rashad Evans. Yep. And I remember, dude, I had to literally like put my hand in front of Rory McDonald's face because he was just ice grilling Shea Mills. Like he, there he was like almost uh, frothing yeah. at the mouth would be an exaggeration. But dude, there was... There was a major intensity. Yeah. To use uh, Chuck Minnesota's words, that's a cold dude. It's a cold dude, man. Yeah. And he didn't forget how to fight, but that he summons that will and expresses it with the same intensity, clearly he doesn't. Yeah. He's telling you he doesn't, at least not for that fight. Now, maybe he can recapture it. I don't know. That's a It's a big question. But yeah, dude, that's a real thing. It's a very yeah. real thing. Yeah. Skill is obviously important, but I think mindset is, is the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's talk about um, another fight uh, here. Uh, let's see if if Cowboy gets uh, gets this big big money fight that he's been asking for. Danny, little big fan. My name is Habib Romani, calling from the Bay Area, California. Yay, yay. Anyways, my question yeah, yeah. for you, beautiful folks, is: Do you believe Mr. McGregor will return in July to fight Cowboy? What's your guys' your input on that? I'd like to know. I'm really interested. Also, if I could put my two cents in, I feel Cowboys should fight Gagey and Ferguson should fight McGregor. I don't know if that's a reality. I know it's McGregor's world, but I don't know. I'd like to hear what you guys think, and uh, thank you so much. All right. What was the first question again? So what do you think uh, McGregor-Cerrone happens in, in July? Can I be, what, can I be, honest, can I be honest about this? I am not opposed to Cerrone versus McGregor. If they make that fight, awesome, great. Like, but you don't seem you don't seem you're like you're too into it. I don't see it as. Um, God, how do I explain this? I'm not in any way opposed to it. I'm not in any way moved by it either. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Um, did you watch Marie Kondo on uh, on uh, Netflix? Uh, no, she's this person who like specializes in, in people organizing their lives, particularly the, the material oh, things around um, them. Yeah, well, I've seen this. Sh I I know with the show, but I, I haven't yeah. seen it. I think yeah. I think I got her name right, Marie Kondo, Marie yeah. Kondo, whatever. And her her rule of thumb is for things you want to keep or not keep is does it spark joy, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't <laughs> doesn't spark joy for me. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm not telling you that that's the way you should think or that the viewers should think. I'm not, but I saw like th when the fight was over, I was thinking more about like cowboy, and I was sort of reflecting on his growth. And then I saw all these things like, oh, my God, the fight with McGregor needs to happen. Again, man, if they make it, mm -hmm. that's, believe me, I am not in any way standing in front of it. 
great. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. feel any particular way about it. Am I, I, I must be in the minority here. Yeah, I think so. I like it. I, I think, you know, there's other fights for him as well. I don't think this, this is the fight to make, but I think this is a route they can go. I think also uh, something that's being overlooked here is if you look at McGregor, um, what he does as well is he boosts his other fighters profile as well, mm-hmm. depending on how the fight goes. Like he is a platform like Nate Diaz is the same, has been the same dude throughout his entire career, even after McGregor. Some things have changed, of course, like the way he's negotiating with the UFC. But I'm saying as a person, as a character, he feels to me about the same. He just needed that platform, you know, for the world to see. And all of a sudden he became a superstar. I think Cerrone could be the same case. Like this is someone, if you give him a big platform, because he is an interesting character. Uh, he could he could all of a sudden be, you know, a big, a big, uh, you know, fight in, in, in the mainstream world. Well, I would I love for him to get paid. Yeah. I would love for him to uh, get the visibility. Don't get me, don't, I'm not, in, I'm not in any way opposed yeah. to the fight. Um, but for some reason, like, I'll be honest with you. Um, if they said it was going to be Poirier versus McGregor, or uh, Poirier versus um, Cowboy, they're not going to, but let's just say they were. Yeah. I don't know. Part of me would be more interested in that. I'm more interested in like mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson. I can't quite put my finger on it. And also, Tony Ferguson McGregor? Yeah, Tony Ferguson uh, versus Cowboy. Like, oh, okay. I'd be yeah. super sized for that. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's a competitive, it's a good fight because it is. Um, Cerrone's a slow starter. McGregor is a fast starter. Yeah. That makes a real bad matchup for him early. But then uh, McGregor fades. Cowboy does not. Does not. He uh, picks up, if anything. And very good at submission. So if it goes to the ground, there's that as well. Like, yeah. There's a lot of reasons to think it could be a very competitive fight. Maybe I'm talking myself into it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, keep going. It's a, keep yeah, going. yeah, exactly. It's a great <laughs> fight. If they make it, awesome. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't. I'm not like its number one advocate. I like it. I'm a fan. Cool. Um, and you know, I've I've been vocal about this before in this program, but I wouldn't like to see Tony Ferguson. I mean, if he needs the money, go ahead fight. But if you're good on money, just wait out. You've done enough. You'll get you'll get the you next guy to repair Tony his mental health situation. Yeah, that that of course, yeah. yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, let's say he's ready to come in and come back, and he wants to like fight on the same card as Habib. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to see that, man. Like, you've done enough, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I understand, like, you know, fighting is the way he makes money. So if that's what he wants to do, sure. But you know, I think if if he's good, he should he should sit out. And by the way, um, McGregor Ferguson, I don't think that ever happens. They're managed by the same team. McGregor Ferguson, no, Ferguson left. Uh, Ferguson. Oh, he's with a new manager. Yeah, he left okay. uh, Audiatar. For what reason? I do not know. Huh. Par- par- that was paradigm. Recent. Uh, yeah, yeah paradigm. relatively recent. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Um, I don't know what the reasoning is. I don't know if it was amicable or not, but he is not with them anymore. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, let's talk about um, the heavier guys in in the UFC. Okay. How's it going, Luke and Danny? This is Dustin from Phoenix, Arizona. I just had a question. With Greg Hardy and Walt Harris's wins coming a week apart from one another and very similar styles against almost similar opponents as well, do you think that they should actually be matched up next? I would love to see that fight. I feel like Walt Harris would obviously win just from an experience standpoint, but from the power that uh, Hardy possesses, who knows what could happen. Uh, love the show. Love to hear your guys' thoughts on that matchup, and uh, hope you guys have a good one. Thank you. Bye. That's an, you know that's an interesting uh, question. You like it? I didn't think about it until until he, this caller mentioned it. I'm like, what did you think sense. of Greg Hardy's last fight? I wasn't a minority on this one as well, but what did you think about it? It was weird. What was weird about it to you? It was an odd fight. Uh, I don't know. There was something weird about it. I don't know. I, I don't think his opponent was very was good. trying to win. No, he was not. I don't, he was I don't, not trying to win. No, he was trying to win under maybe the, the smallest of conditions. And once those went away. He didn't away, put any resistance. Okay, here's my point. If he had gotten the takedown, 
very easily. He probably would have tried, but he didn't. And then he, I think he wasn't he, even driving. He wasn't changing levels. No, no, but let's just, let's just say, let's just say, but, yeah. you, you think if he got the takedown, he would have quit. I don't think so. I think he would have kept going, but he didn't. And then he immediately quit in my judgment. Right. So yeah. that's what happened there. Yeah. Okay. It was a weird fight. Here is where I come down on this. I don't present it. Let's forget about Greg Hardy and the whole domestic violence thing, which we've talked about to death. Okay. Everyone's going to have their opinions. Yeah. He's just going to be here for better or for worse. Yeah. I made this point and I, and I really stand by it. If you go to enough regional MMA shows, what you saw between Greg Hardy and Dmitry Somolikov was common. It happens yeah. all the time. And I'm, I got news for everybody. If you watch Greg Hardy versus Alan Crowder, he needs work. Not Alan Crowder, but uh, Greg Hardy. He's not UFC level. Fact. He's not. Now, he may become one. He may be very close. Wait, but he's so athletic. He is athletic. He is athletic. That's a very true statement. I'm just trolling, yeah. But, but the point... No, he, he's clearly not UFC right So this yet. is my point. If that fight had taken place on the regional scene, you would not look at it like some really valuable experience. But what you would say is... He got another camp in, Greg Hardy. He got another yep. weight cut in. He got more training time. He did one more walk. He did one more round of interviews. Yep. When you're that green as a fighter, yo, that matters. Those reps matter. Now, he obviously needs in his next fight somebody who will offer some resistance. I mm -hmm. don't think you can keep doing what Samolikov did and matching up with people like that. No, you yeah. cannot do that. But people be like, this is so weird. The only thing weird about it is that Dana White keeps signing guys who are not UFC ready and then wonders why they can't perform at a UFC level. Yeah. That's what's weird. That shit is common at regional MMA shows. I see it all the time. So it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. It was, yeah. That, and I'm not down to see those type of fights. Like, that's why that's why not fun man that's why you don't put those kinds of exactly. fights in the ufc yeah. so you don't they can get all like greg hardy did what he was supposed to do man yeah like, yeah that's right yeah he goes in there and his job is to you know try to finish the fight and win and that's exactly what he did uh, something that bothers him he's like okay fine if you're gonna do that do it but don't put in the coleman event like i want to see something good in the coleman yeah, event like, be i've been waiting all on day the all night to watch that you know should what be I'm buried on the prelims exactly that should be the first fight no, you know where it should have been there was a titan fc the day before should have yeah. been on that is where yeah. it should have been and you probably wouldn't have said a lot of great things about it but again yeah. if you're in his camp i guarantee you his camp thought that, that was a valuable experience of yeah, course sure. it was valuable yeah. for him yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous to argue otherwise it's just ridiculous to expect guys who need that kind of experience to perform in any other kind of yeah. way. Anyway, point being is against Walt Harris. I would have said a year or two ago, if like Greg Hardy was as good as he is now and was fighting Walt Harris of two years ago, I would say I would have a lot more confidence in it. I had a sneaky feeling that Walt may have turned a corner. Yeah, and he looked good. He man. looked really good. And yeah. so if the if I'm right about it, and I don't know that I am, but if I'm and right. And notice, notice it was like, a similar performance to Greg Hardy's, but the difference was the opponent was still trying to right. like stay in the whole time. It was a similar level yeah. of execution, exactly. only there was a yeah. resistance there. So I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I wonder if that also is not the right next step. But um, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. Yeah, but I'm down for that fight. I, I want to see Greg Hardy challenged. Okay. You know? Yeah, me too. All right. Let's, uh, I guess, keep talking about heavyweights. I'm not sure. People love this the heavyweights. Weird question. Como estas, Danny? Luke, I have a question. This is Kevin calling from New Orleans, Louisiana. And I just okay. recently met the big diesel Superman, the one and only Shaquille O'Neal, uh. who said Forrest Griffin is the strongest man he's ever, like, grappled with or anything like that. Mm. My question is, how do you think Shaquille O'Neal would do in the UFC heavyweight division? 
recently on TNT after a playoff game, three guys tried to tackle Shaquille O'Neal and could not take him down. Yes, three dogs. I think that Shaq's takedown defense would make him impossible to beat in the UFC. Oh, if he trained all mistaken. his life, I think Shaq would be the Khabib times 10 of the UFC. <laughs> Thank you guys for your work. I love you guys. Peace. Yeah, did you watch what he's talking about, the clip he's talking about? I didn't, dude, but they I had can three pre- Can he even make 265? That dude must no. be like 350. Maybe in his college days, but not now. That dude's huge. Yeah. Um, they had three pre-diabetic gas station attendants <laughs> try and take him down. And they did, by the way. Just not okay. on the first try. Yeah. Uh, first of all, here's what would happen. Um, if you ever, you ever like spar with somebody like really tall, really lanky? Uh, Sparta like grappled. Grappled. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what, here's what would happen. Cormier would shoot. Um, he would be much faster, significantly faster. Shaq would sprawl and then Cormier would cut the corner and turn him yep. over. It would happen exactly over would and happen. over and yeah. over and over again. Yo, he would get, he would get in the words of training day, his S pushed in. It would not be close. It would not be a thing. It would, it would no. Yeah. I think that kind of height is a true detriment actually in MMA. You want to be lanky. And you want to be long, but there needs to be, like, John Jones, we bring him up again. He yeah. seems to be, like, the maximum you would want to push that to, where you're still kind of, you're, you're tall, but you're yeah. not crazy tall. Unless you're, like, also, like, a Stefan Struve, like, crazy agile with a good guard, which I don't right. think that would be the case with, with Shaq. Right. I mean, who knows? He's a ridiculous athlete. I would have said something more along the lines of, like, you know, you want, you want an athletic heavyweight who might have been good in MMA? Get me someone who's got a little bit more bulk. Someone I would say like a Zion Williamson. Zion yeah, Williamson, you don't know who? Football? Oh my God, you don't know who Zion Williamson is? No. Hey, can everyone in the back there smack Danny for not <laughs> knowing who Zion Williamson is? Yes, there's Joe in the back. Zion Williamson was the number one uh, college player in, uh, in, in basketball this year. He's 6'7 and uh, 280 and had a, I think a 45, 47 something inch vertical. Dude, it looked, he looked like he could honestly jump to the stars i've never seen an, a, an athlete built like that who could yeah. move like that somebody like that would be interesting in mma but even then you have to have the mental constitution for it folks, folks forget this um god who was the redskin who got his ass beat uh who beat up stephen davis um oh god this is so embarrassing that i can't remember my own there was a washington redskin wide receiver and he got in a fight with stephen davis and he bodied him he ended up being like a black belt in jujitsu, like real oh. jujitsu. He fought MMA. He did poorly in MMA. Like you have to have a certain. That's going to kill me now. He had to have. You have to have a certain constitution uh, yeah. to compete. So even if you're big and strong, if you're not mentally the kind of person who likes to hurt people, uh, it's going to be yeah. it's going to be a problem. I mean, there was a, a football player. Remember in the tough season, the one that Michael was with heavyweights Michael uh, with Kimbo Slice. Yes. I think it was his name was like Babyface or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, he was huge, and he didn't do too well. Like Michael Westbrook was the one, dude. Michael Westbrook was a tier one athlete. Couldn't hack it in, mm -hmm. in pro fighting. He's just it's not it's not for him, you know. So yeah, interesting. It was a he was a good he yeah. was an okay fighter. Our editor just uh, just uh, slacked me. He's like, yeah, Michael Westbrook. Yeah, Michael Westbrook. Yeah. I, oh God, this is how little I sleep. I can't remember <laughs> Michael Westbrook. You ever seen the footage of that? No, no, no. Dude, it was at like, like practice yeah. and he mounted Stephen Davis. Oh, it wasn't even in a like game. No, game? no, no, no. Teammates. Oh, and he mounted him and went to, and, and then went to work on him from the mount Dang. position. Yeah, yeah, he had trained. Yeah, it was ugly. It was ugly. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, let's talk about something. Um, actually, you recently did on on your YouTube channel. All right. 
Ashley from Huntington Beach. Oh, I know her. Okay. Hey, hey, Luke, congratulations on your brand new baby girl. Uh, first of all, uh, it's wonderful news. Uh, secondly, my question was about the fighter pace study that you did. Kudos on that, by the way. It was, it was really fascinating. I'm wondering to what extent that may have impacted your opinion of how underpaid fighters are. Do you feel like it reinforced what we already knew about that? Or do you feel like there were other layers that maybe swayed you in, in the other direction? Um, just curious about that. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So if you guys haven't seen it, it's, it's uh, posted at the top of my Twitter timeline at L Thomas news. This guy from American university named Eric Kerner, who is a PhD uh, candidate in uh, applied statistics uh, reached out to me and he's an MMA fan and ran some numbers on the, on fighter pay and found a bunch of different findings. One of which was um, that basically if you're not ranked and you're not in the title fight, you're going to make nothing. Uh, these are the mo two of the most important considerations for making money. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, there's so much more to it. That stuff, that, that, podcast we recorded is a year old i sat on it for a year not quite a year but a long time and um just because i i actually the day we recorded that i got the call to take this job so you can imagine my distraction a lot has happened yeah, since you yeah. can imagine my distraction so in any event so no it's been colored by that we've had the debates whatever our opinions about the interim title danny both of us agree on one thing it is a better way to make some money now of course they could just pay the guys more but you and i have definitely agreed of uh, that you know uh, they're going to get more money as a consequence and that is one value but if yeah. you haven't seen the math on it when you realize what you're going to make without being ranked and without having a title you you are going to make very little very yeah. little yeah and and when when that study was done what what years again did it uh target it it's about mostly 2017 okay so re the reebok uh, deal was already mm -hmm. in place okay yeah uh, yeah, it was it was interesting for me. I, I saw it all. Um, it just reinforced what I already knew. But it was nice to get some numbers, and and yeah. there was a few like things like uh, you know, especially like the 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 jump in pay in between divisions and yep. stuff like that. Like that was really interesting. Um, but a lot of it it was just like reinforcing. But you know, it's like it's like finally we get like you know a clear some, sense. Some yeah, facts, folks right? are asking some like we know yeah. fighters are underpaid. What value is it? Well, now it concretizes exactly how much. Yeah. Right? We have a much keener understanding. And by the way, um, also, um, John Nash over at Bloody Elbow did his own study trying to find out how much extra is there in a hidden pay, so to speak. And it, for some fighters, it, can, hard to track, it right? is hard to track. Yeah. So his best guess is about a third more in certain cases, okay. which can be substantial sometimes, but sometimes yeah. not. So um, so we're trying to find, we're trying to better understand fighter pay. And there's, there's by the way, the one that, the, the biggest thing I took from that whole thing is, um, Seniority doesn't really matter for uh, and tenure doesn't mm -hmm. matter for fighter pay. There's no connection yeah. between the two, yeah. and that women, when controlling for other factors, are, do not make less, which I also found. Um, so it's because it's not all bad news. Sometimes sometimes it's good news. Right. Yeah. Um, that was one of the bitter pieces of news that I thought came out of it. All right. Let's do one more question, and we go back to the 155 pound division. All right. Hey, Danny. Hey, Luke. This, one short. this is John from uh, Chicago. Uh, congrats, Luke, on the new child. Uh, my question for you is when is the lightweight division finally, when is that bottleneck going to be like, when are we going to finally start to have normalcy in that division? Like, I'm just like, there's so many great fighters there. I'm just getting so, so frustrated as a fan. Like, why can we not get these fights going? I know there's things like Khabib and the suspensions with Connor. God knows what's going on with him lately. Um, but when are we going to finally start to have normalcy in this division? Like there's so many great fights to make, but it's just, 
Like I want to see Cerrone actually get a chance to fight for the title, but with all, with everything that's going on, like when can we finally get back to normalcy? All right. Thank you. Um, so how, how, so we can, for example, we can say that the light heavyweight division is, is back to normal champion fighting number one contender, right? Mm -hmm. How long do you think it'll take for the 155 pound division to go back to normal? Two things. Number one, the division is back to normal. If you don't count the very top tier of it, everything else is look, look at the, over the weekend. You had I Quinta fighting cowboy. Um, you had uh, well, Holloway coming. up was a bit of a change, but hmm. Tony's issue is being what it are. But like the, outside the very, very top tier, they're trying to churn through everything. Um, Gaethje fought Barboza, for example. Right. So the, that portion of the division is functioning as normal. Look, you cannot get a functioning division in the totality in the way that which they're asking titles have to be defended. That's yep. there's just there's just no other way against the number one against the yeah, number one or the, the most deserving contender or whatever. Yep. So number one, that has to be uh, sorted. And I guess that will happen in September. I guess we'll have to see the second component, of course, is, dude, as long as McGregor's kind of floating out there as this weird specter where guys are sitting that's out right. or he can just jump the line. That's not going to help the normalcy of things either. So one, title has to be in rotation. And I think two, we kind of have to figure out like what space does McGregor really occupy in a comfortable way, and you know how soon is that going to happen? Maybe this year, maybe next year. I don't know, but that there's your answer. It's going to take those two things. In short, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, one activity from the champion is super important, but also like who he's fighting. You know. If he doesn't fight the number one contender, then the queue just keeps getting longer and longer. Certainly does. Uh, oh, but, they, man, but they are rotating beneath it. Iaquinta was ranked four and kind of into this fight. Four. That's true. Yeah. I mean, in that matchup, I think I think that matchup made sense, and it was a matchup that but that you had to do. But moving forward, for example, I think Cerrone is is pretty close to a title shot. I mean, yep, after that win, certainly is. I don't think he should fight more than once. Like, yeah, maybe one more. One more, maybe. But anything more than that. Probably not, but the thing is, with the state of the division, he might have to, right? Because right. you got you got Ferguson you waiting so, in line. So many rotations yeah. that have to happen. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So uh, you know, I think I think it might take if let's say like the champion is 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 constantly defending the belt. I think it might take like a year, a year and a half for for the full rotation for everybody that's currently deserving a title shot to get a title shot and whatnot, and then just have the the queue just run as normal, yeah. you know, and and be on time. Um, all right. So what's the word on Mr. Gracie? Um, I texted him. He told me about um, 20 minutes he was on his way, so he should be here soon. He lives pretty pretty close. Okay. Um, and then I texted him to see where he, he's at. So <laughs> right. he should be here anytime. Uh, and Ali apparently is having some – did he get back to you? Uh, no, he hasn't. But apparently he had some, uh, he had some flight delays. Yeah, right? he had some flight delays. So I don't know if Ali is going to be on the show today, which is unfortunate because mm -hmm. I had a lot of uh, questions for him. But um, if, if you want, we can go to Michael Chandler right now and then – Why don't we do uh, this? Why don't we do tweets? Okay. See where yeah, we're at, and then we'll do this channel if we have to. All right, all right, sounds good. So how about, thank you for your time, dear Danny. I appreciate it. Uh, all right, time now, diggity donks, for a round of tweets. All right, clock starts when the first tweet goes up. I need a shave, Jesus. This side, right here, look at that. Touching the five, like a weirdo at a bus stop. All right, here we go. Uh, David Bixenspan, uh, this I thought was an unbelievably great question. What type of patterns do you look for to determine if a fighter is irretrievably washed? Cowboy has now had a few fights that felt like he either was Till or Edwards or could get there soon, Gas Tank versus Hernandez, only for those to turn out to be bad nights, matchups, weight cuts. 
Yeah, he does not follow the pattern at all. I think there's a few things I look for. The number one thing I look for is do they throw back? So go back and watch, for example, um, BJ Penn versus um, uh, El, El, um, El Pantera. God, I can't remember anybody's name today. I'm so sleep deprived. Um, Yair Rodriguez, excuse me. And then you can look even in the Dustin Siever fight, a little bit less so in that one. But he doesn't throw back. He just kind of sits there and takes it, right? Um, that is something you look for. That, that could be They could be done in that fight. But it's... Um, I don't mean someone who just gets bombed on. What I mean is there's this prolonged thing where they're not quite getting crushed, but they're just not, they're not engaging. That to me is the sign of a fighter who's done. Um, you know, if there's a real noticeable deter deterioration in their physical composition, that's another. Uh, obviously, chin can be another one. But, you know, you can lose your chin and still have the will to fight. When someone is just sitting there taking abuse and not throwing, but circling maybe just enough to not get finished, that is my number one sign. But if you notice the cowboy, that's not what he's doing at all. Uh, he's out there kind of getting after it. Next. Here we go. Uh, what should be next for Cub Swanson? Man, after his fourth loss in a row, he really only loses to the best guys, but still a top featherweight in my eyes. Man, that was a hard one to watch because Cub is such a nice guy. You really like him. You really think highly of it. Again, competitive. He's uh, not so much in the Moicano fight, but in many of these other ones, he's pretty competitive. Yeah, man, it might be time for a reset. It might be time for a reset a little bit and um, maybe stop fighting the very, very best, maybe work back from the division. And I, I just think he needs a confidence-boosting win, you know? He's a pro, and I don't think he lets any one win really deter him, but um, I think he just needs one to get back on the horse. So you don't... If the game is going to pass you by, and it passes by everybody eventually... You don't want to do it with the guys at the very top all the time. Maybe try and see if you can reset the op the opportunity by dialing it back a little bit in terms of the competition. Now, the, the, the rule is those guys don't want to lose to somebody down there. They don't want to give their name to somebody who could be some killer up-and-comer that we don't really gauge properly. That's always the risk you run. But I just think getting a win will put him back in a better headspace and enable him to move forward. Next. Uh, I never get picked, and apparently my questions aren't good enough, so I don't want to bother. Should I block this person, Danny? <laughs> Just for fun? You've been picked, Alexander Da Mota. Uh, I guess that's the cousin of Da Zone. Next. Luke, please don't take uh, Azard, Azard off us. We'll get relegated next season. He's contributed 50% of our league goals this season. Uh let me just say something. I said this before. If and when Real Madrid get Azard, or especially if they get Pogba, and especially if they get Mbappe, which they probably won't, but if they did, I'm going to, be, as insufferable as I already am, I'm going to be even more insufferable. I want everyone to know that. Next. Uh, should the UFC have waited for the winner of JDS and Ganu to face DC as opposed to booking the Stipe rematch? No, because the rule there was... DC wanted to fight Brock, and if Brock, for some reason, wasn't available, DC was pretty clear, then I'll go to Stipe. Okay, well, Brock's not available, so now they go to Stipe. It was, it, it was a fine decision, and it was a gamble, by the way, that worked out in Stipe's favor. So now he's going to have a second chance, um, to, or I guess a first chance, but a second opportunity at uh, defeating um, Daniel Cormier. Um, we'll have to see how well he go, uh, how it goes for him, but no, I... I Cormier was pretty clear about what the line of succession was. I kind of thought that Stipe should have got out there one more time and not taken a year off, but maybe the year off will be good for him. We'll see. Next. 
Does John Jones get the winner of DC versus Stipe? I'd love to see it, but probably not. Probably the winner of Nganu versus JDS. Next. Uh, who has the best live streaming sports platform currently? Um, boy, that is a good question. I would say YouTube TV for, for my needs because I get my UFC on there. I get my NBA on there. I get my, my skins on there. I get uh, DC United. Well, I don't get DC United, but you know, when they're playing on F FS1, I get, I, get, I get the major things that I need off of that. You got Flow Sports, which I don't think is very good. Um, although I will say this, Flow Grappling of all the Flow uh, platforms is by far the best. The um, zone was terrible in the Canelo Jacobs fight. What a mess that was. They botched the in-house walkout. Uh, they, bo <laughs> they botched virtually everything. They didn't mic the ring well. I thought they shot it okay. And I, I like Chris Mannix. I thought he was good. Sergio Mora and Brian Kenny, people thought they were biased towards Canelo, and they were. I didn't see it quite as bad as others did, but I agree. They didn't really call what, what Jacobs was doing um, as, as favorably. But I generally didn't have a problem with them. I like Brian Kenny a lot. So I didn't care about that much. But, dude, just like a big fight, you should feel and hear and absorb a big fight. And they didn't do they, – they could not have made that worse in terms of getting that right, which is weird because when they do Bellator – I don't feel the same problems at all. So I don't know what it was for the Canelo Jacobs card, but it, it, it didn't go right. So um, so there you go. Uh, and I, I, what are the other ones here, by the way? Uh, I'm missing some. Uh, BR Live I don't use, and um, I'm sure there's some other ones. All right, let's do this. Should we go to the Chandler interview? Yes, no? We should do that? Yes? In the back? He's here in the building trying to locate him. Um, let's do this. Let's just go to the Chandler interview because I don't have time to wait. So... Let's do it now. I spoke with Michael Chandler yesterday about his upcoming fight with Patricio Freire, which is an ugly one in terms of the rivalry and all of the PED accusations. I asked him about him those accusations directly, but we had talked about a lot more. Here's my conversation with the champ. All right, and we are joined now by some Bellator royalty, the lightweight champion of the world. Michael Chandler joins us here through Skype. Michael, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Nothing better than putting in a phenomenal training camp and being in fight week. Now uh, all the hard work is done. Every time I talk to you, you have a phenomenal training camp. You ever had a bad one? <sighs> I've had a couple. I have definitely had a couple. A couple uh, a couple injuries, a couple fights maybe that I should have pulled out of. I've never pulled out of a fight. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it, the funny thing is if I, would, if I would tell you like five or six things that happened during this training camp, you probably would think that it was a not so great training camp. But, you know, I mean, the glass is always half full, man. I, I actually got asked the other day, you know, what, what this fight means and this fight rivalry and this, that, and the other thing, honestly, just being able to compete at this level, at this high level with this capable body after 10 years in the sport, man, and still feeling like I'm getting better, still feeling like I'm just scratching the surface of my potential. It's, re it's, re it's reinvigorating. It's rejuvenating every single time I come back down here to Florida and get my training in. All right. So you're in Florida, but every time I talk, I get confused because I know you built a facility in your new uh, hometown of Nashville. I know you've done some training there, so but you're in Florida. So, like, what do you use the Nashville facility for? So that's my that's my home gym. You know, uh, we have we have a couple fighters that train out of there. Some some decent coaches, some good coaches. Like we got. So it's almost like I have to separate both gyms. You know, I know for me, the fighter, the guy who's trying to be a world champion and chase my dreams, I have to be with these guys down here with Henry Hooft and all these 
champions and all the other organizations as well as Bellator with the great training partners and the great facilities to be able to run my fight camps. But the other, you know, 200 something days a year, I'm at home in Nashville. I got a phenomenal strength conditioning coaches out there, phenomenal striking coaches, grappling coaches. Like I have, I have bodies to, to work with out there. So essentially I have, I built my own home gym in Nashville, which is a, not a home gym. It's not like it's in my garage, but it's a 10,000 square foot facility, full mats, 3000 square foot of mats, 3000 square foot of fitness area to just fitness heaven. So that's where I do a lot of my workouts in between training camps when I'm working on my body, focusing on becoming a bigger, faster, stronger athlete. And then once I come down here, I can hone in on the skills necessary to beat my uh, opponents. You know, sometimes I talk to you and you have these fights where you have like legitimate talent. The guy, Brent Primus, I know um, it was kind of personal for you, but in some ways I never felt like you guys were super connected as rivals. And then today or over the weekend, he goes and go, go plot as a guy, but with the, with the, the Pitbull brothers, I mean, there could be no mistaking about this. You guys are tied at the hip. Uh, you knocked his brother out and then you got on the cage and you, you know, had words with him. Um, fair to say the most personal rivalry of your career. I would say, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would also say, I think it's mainly on his camp. You know, it's mainly on his side. I mean, I've, I've usually tried to stay pretty, pretty even keel, man. I mean, I've, I've grown up wrestling. You have certain, you know, you have certain team rivalries, whether it's, you know, I was in the big 12. So the Oklahoma state, Nebraska, uh, Iowa state, those schools, you, you wanted to beat those guys for more reasons other than just winning a match, you know? Um, so I've learned how to compartmentalize the actual rivalry that we've had. You know, I mean, I think part of it is we've just been around each other. It's almost like, you know, someone's your friend or so someone's cool. Someone's your best friend. So you live with them. You almost spend so much time with them that, that you just, they get on your nerves. And I feel like Patricio, Patricio has kind of been like that with me. We've probably seen each other, you know, 40 times over the last 10 years or eight years that we've both been in Bellator. And, uh, he's never quite been friendly. He's always known that I was going to, you know, first of all, I, I beat his brother within the first, you know, two years of year, year or so of me being in Bellator. So he had that against me and then I beat him again a couple of years later. So he's always had that, um, animosity towards me. And then now, you know, some things that he said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm ready to just go out there and shut him up, man. I'm excited to go out there and compete. Let me ask you about that. I mean, he has, I think it's fair to say for anyone who's been paying attention at all, um, he has actively uh, accused you of performance-enhancing drug use. Now, I don't know how um, uh, legitimate those claims are, but in the I interest of due diligence, I'd ask you this way. One, is there any truth to the accusations? And two, uh, if not, what do you make of why he has been so insistent about it? Yeah, no, there's absolutely no no validity whatsoever. I've never once touched upon a performance anti drug. The good, the, the good thing is I can sit back and I can see the accusations or I can see the things that people say. And a, any normal sane person would say, well, that's a feather in my cap. You obviously look so good or you are a, such a conditioned trained athlete that people accuse you of those kinds of things. Um, for him to say it, I don't really understand where his basis is. He, all he's ever said is I think he's uses them or, or he is using them. He's never actually brought any kind of um, happen, any kind of circumstance where he may have heard through the grapevine this, that, or what, whatnot. I mean, the funny thing is, as soon as, as soon as I started training with Coach Calavita and then TJ Dillashaw, he brought that up, and I've only I've literally spent one workout with TJ Dillashaw. It's not like he's my my boy, you know. So it's just uh, uncircum uh, or unfortunate timing, if you will, with that. But man, it's uh, it's one of those things where it's. I look at it for two different ways. Number one, he's already making, he's already making excuses as to why 
and when he loses and why and when his brother lost. Um, and secondly, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just, to me, it's a sad, it's a sad view of the human potential that you can't look at somebody, see the way that they train and give them the benefit of the doubt that they do things right. They eat right. They train right. And they train just harder than everyone else. Um, I've now been in a 11 week training camp. I have one week left. I can honestly tell you that I have not enjoyed one of my meals, uh, to the fullest extent in 11 weeks. I cannot, I can honestly say that what I have put my body through in training and what, and, and the lifestyle choice that I have made, um, over the last 11 weeks is something that the very top 1% of people do. And, and I'm willing to make those sacrifices because I want to be the best. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's also, we're open to criticism because whether Bellator likes to admit it or not, they don't have USADA. You know, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the fault. That's the hard part about it all is, is I can't sit here and say, yeah, I got USADA, you know, barking on my, knocking down my door every other day. Like some of these guys, I say USADA in the gym and I get a little bit jealous because I wish they were testing me. What's interesting about it is you obviously have never run afoul of any anti-doping authority, whether it be a commissioner or anybody else. Nevertheless, though, the accusations, have, as you are well aware, I'm sure, have been persistent for years. Um, any way to gauge, uh, despite it just being accusations, have they been harmful at all to your career in any capacity? As a guy who, as a guy who, number one, I always want to do the right thing. I mean, gosh, I get a, I get, I get a speeding ticket and I feel like, you know, the, the scum of the earth, you know, like I, I'm very hard on myself sometimes. And as a guy who wants, as a guy who can lay his head on the pillow at night, knowing that I've done everything that I possibly can and done it the right way. Yeah. It's harmful because also you get these headlines that come out and the media loves to do it. And they love to say, you know, Patricio says this, that, and the other thing, my son is going to read these headlines someday. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that that's the world we live in. And truthfully, the funny thing is too, even on Instagram or these social media platforms, I never respond to people unless it's in a positive light. If someone says something positive, I will respond. But when I literally, I woke up one day to like 25 mentions or 25, whatever, uh, mentions on Instagram one day. And I saw this guy going back and forth with this lady and he literally said the words, you know, she was like refuting that I have ever used blah, blah, blah. And he said, yeah, but he has failed drug tests in the, in the past. And I said, Hey man, I never usually respond to, you know, armchair quarterbacks like you, especially in a negative light, but you cannot literally throw out fake news into the internet. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's unfortunate that in 2019, we can say whatever we want, whether it's fact, whether it's fiction, whether it's fake. And unfortunately it stays on the internet, you know? So it's, it's, it has not had any negative effect on my career whatsoever. I could care. I could care less what people say and what people think. Unfortunately, we have a, a sport that's not 100% clean. Even with the UFC um, anti-doping policy, obviously guys are getting busted left and right. So it, people are using, and people will continue to use as long as human, as long as we live in a fallen world, and as long as human existence is the human existence. Unfortunately, I don't know how much thought you've given it, but do you? To be candid, neither have I. But here's what I mean. Do you think media should cover accusations like that differently? I don't know what you would do. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's the media's job to take what athletes say or what 
certain talent says and put it into print, put it into, you know, the, the, uh, the internet, you know, that's, that's the job. That's your guys's job. I mean, and then could, could they pick and choose headlines differently? Of course. I mean, clickbait is a real thing, you know, that's why people get so many clicks on their things. But, um, I just, I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate. And as a clean athlete, as, as it's unfortunate because I have so much confidence in myself that I'm a hundred percent clean. And I know that I'm a hundred percent clean that I would, I wish I was in an organization like the UFC, not don't use that headline as Michael Chandler with you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, yeah. you wish, you wish I didn't have the, I wish I didn't have the dark cloud behind me of, yeah, but you're in Bellator or yeah, you're in one FC or yeah, you're in, you know, risen these organizations that quote unquote are, you know, USADA. And, and as soon as the UFC came in, which man hats off to them, let's clean up the sport. Let's do it. But as soon as UFC, as soon as UFC adopted their anti-doping policy and brought in USADA, that's when I started seeing much more, uh, Hey Chandler, you know, it's not, Hey Chandler likes Bellator or Hey Chandler is getting paid the most money in Bellator or Chandler sees the best road to taking care of his family for setting himself up for the future in Bellator. It's Chandler stays in Bellator cause they, cause they don't have drug testing like the UFC, you know, it's just, it's silly stuff like that. Um, that just kind of, it, it, unfortunately just puts a huge blemish on how much I love this sport or how much I love the fan base or how much I love the MMA media. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on that in part. I just think that the introduction of USADA has scandalized any kind of accusation, but neither here nor there. Let's, let's move on to the opponent himself. Here's my read on this one of the two brothers. I would actually argue Patricio is much more well-rounded, but he is smaller so how do you size him up relative to his brother who you've already fought? I think Patricio is the better fighter. Um, I think Patricio is the more skilled fighter and, yes, the more dangerous fighter in a lot of areas. He's got that great guillotine, um, decent grappling, if, unless he uh, – if he doesn't catch you in the, in the guillotine, he does have a decent grappling. But um, where I see the holes is, yeah, he's much smaller. Um, I mean I saw him in L.A. and he was probably 160-something pounds and he was – definitely a little fluffy, you know, um, I have the advantage. I, and I look at it as the, as the advantage of, of the weight cut, you know, I'm, I was 169.4 this morning and I am down to extremely lean and my weight cut is essentially already done. And i now I just have to water manipulate and I just, I look and feel, uh, phenomenal. And I put in, like I said, an 11 week training camp in order to get my body in peak optimal metabolic conditioning and form to be able to fight on May 11th. He doesn't have to do that. You know, he's, he's 145 or coming up in weight class. So, so when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to doing the extra runs or putting in the extra rounds, putting in the extra little bit, he's not going to be as hungry as I am because I've had to put in that work. But, um, I've also seen him get dropped by Emmanuel Sanchez in his last fight and dropped in the fight before that. So he's, his chin is, his chin is becoming more and more suspect and that's just wear and tear on the body. He's got 10 more fights than I do. Um, and he's been in the sport a couple of years longer than I have, you know, so he's got a lot of miles on him, got a lot of miles on the brain of, on that brain of his and a lot of miles on that chin. So I'm hoping to find the chin and find the chin early. Um, go for that knockout or go ahead and finish him on the ground if I need to. Are you looking forward to putting the rivalry such as it is behind you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I've said this in the past, too. Like Patricio does not keep me up at night. You know, I, I mean, I think it's 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 a little bit comical how how you know, the tension is always thick every time I see him, you know, there's just, there's just this, this amount of animosity that he, he brings to the table. And it's not just with me. I mean, obviously 
<clears throat> I'm happy that I got this fight because I wanted this fight because he got in my face after that, after the, after I beat his brother, but he also did the same thing. Darian Caldwell, he did the same thing to, uh, you know, all these other guys, he just, he's, he's a, he's a guy who's always looking to pick a fight. I don't know what it is, what, why it is, but, um, but I also have a lot of respect for him. He's not afraid of anybody. He's not afraid. He wasn't afraid to fight me. Who's a much bigger man. He wasn't afraid to fight Benson Henderson. Who's a much bigger man. Um, you know, he is a, he is a fighter through and through. I respect his game. I respect him as a fighter. Um, and hopefully after, uh, after he wakes up from the, the knockout or the submission, we can shake hands and we can, uh, you know, we can get past this. If not, he will continue to, uh, let this harbor, this resentment harbor inside of his inside of his heart, and we'll uh, we'll see how that works out. Well, a, a, a few months ago, maybe more than that, maybe six to nine months. I can't keep anything straight. I don't sleep very much, uh, Michael. But I remember you telling me that you know you were looking for other weight class fights, like jumping up. And then, look, not every situation is the same. But Rory McDonald tried it against Gagard Musasi, and you could make that about that particular matchup. But obviously, it did not go well for Rory in that regard. I wonder now if you have. Um, is, is it still something you want to do? Have you had second thoughts about it? Like to what extent is that still part of the belt or bucket list? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think, I think I'm always looking for challenges. Obviously. Um, I want to continue to challenge myself. I, I also have been on record saying that I wish Bellator would look to, to sign some more lightweights. There's gotta be lightweights out there that are coming up on free agency that they need to go out and try to snag and try to pay and, and get them over here. Um, I think they haven't really signed a, a lightweight since, uh, what Benson Henderson, Josh Thompson, you know, it's been, it's been quite a while that they've, that they've signed a, a top level lightweight. So, um, I'd like to see what happens after this fight. You know, I want to go out there, um, get this win and then see what happens. But I mean, yeah, you can see the size is a real thing and Patricio is going to see that on May 11th, but you know, Rory saw that against Gegard. It's, it's, a. Uh, it's tough. I mean, I feel it when I go against 170 pounders in the gym, especially when it comes to length. You know, I, I, if, if I fought a guy at 170, it would be more of a Paul Daly, a guy who's not, you know, six, three with, you know, a seven inch reach advantage on me, you know, that's no joke. So we'll see. Um, I'd like to see, I'd like to see what happens, but, um, you know, you also got to think about being a prize fighter. You know, I, I, I want to get the biggest prize. If I, if I go up to 170, I want to see a bigger prize. All right, two more questions for you for something outside of your control. Uh, in the UFC, the two top lightweights are going to be Dustin Poirier and Habib. Um, who do you like in that contest and why? Um, I like what Dustin's been doing lately, man. He has really come on. Great striking. He's got that, that, that southpaw stance. And, man, he's got a great chin. He keeps on coming. Great cardio. But I just don't see him stopping what Khabib brings to the table. I don't see him. I don't see him being able to get up. Um, as many times as Khabib's going to put him down, and when and when Khabib puts him down, I don't think Dustin's a huge lightweight at all. Um, you know, I think he's tried to put on a little bit a little bit more muscle. But if if a guy fought 145, what a year and a half, two years ago, you know, chances are he's going to be much smaller than Khabib, and Khabib has a way of mauling people and out wrestling them, but not just out wrestling them, out positioning them, putting them in a position where they are literally stuck, and it's either you know take a ton of damage or start shelling up and, and look, look for a way out. And unfortunately for Dustin, I think Khabib can do that to him. Uh, and I, I, I think it'd probably go to a decision to be honest with you, because I think Dustin's just that tough and Khabib doesn't have crazy power in his hands, even when he does get on top. Um, so I like Khabib in that fight. All right. And last but not least your boy, Ben Askren going up against Jordan Burroughs. This will be of course on uh, Monday, May 6th, which is the day this interview will air. Now I'm assuming you're going to pick your guy. If not, you can correct the record, but let's just do it this way. 
Um, what does Ben have to do to beat Jordan Burroughs? Ben has to be Ben. I mean, I think I think what what most of your listeners on this show don't realize is how great of a wrestler Ben was, you know, and even, and I think he was even better than he accomplished. You know, I think he under accomplished in wrestling just because, you know, he didn't, he didn't, um, place in the Olympics in what, 2008 it was. Yeah. And, uh, and then just started fighting cause he saw a road to, to making some money. And, uh, but he said it perfectly. I think Jordan, I just saw Jordan Burroughs put out there, you know, he has no idea what's coming to coming for him tomorrow night. And Ben said, Jordan comma, you know, I'm a wrestling savant. I know exactly what's coming. The question is, can I stop it? And I think that's, it's very much true. I think Ben can wrestle anybody in the entire world with his eyes closed. He has not lost a step. Um, even though he's been standing upright and fighting and grappling for the last, you know, 10 years or so, he has not lost a step in his wrestling. And I can guarantee that. And he has not lost any of his strength or any of his uh, unorthodox funk style that he brings to the table. And I, I think if you look at, um, you know, a couple of times that David Taylor wrestled Jordan Burroughs, David Taylor being able to um, prolong those scrambles in this and putting Jordan Burroughs in a position where if you stop that initial shot and they start getting to a scramble type of situation, Jordan Burroughs doesn't always win. Um, as a matter of fact, I think it's more like a 50, 50, but Jordan Burroughs is the best athlete I've ever competed against. I competed against him three or four times in college. Cause that Nebraska, uh, Mizzou big 12 rivalry. And, uh, to be interesting, but I got, I got been in that one. All right, fair enough. Well, you have your hands full with Patricio Freire. This will be May 11th at the Allstate Arena and will air live and exclusively on DAZN. Michael Chandler, thank you so much for your time. Can't wait to see your fight. You got it. Thanks. All right, and we're back. Big thanks to uh, Michael Chandler, Bellator lightweight champion. Speaking of a Bellator lightweight champion, there could be another champion at Bellator on the show today. Well, there was one. This one is trying to be the next one, I guess, is a better segue. He competes against Rory McDonald on the next Bellator NYC. This will be Bellator 222, June 14th at Madison Square Garden. It's the semifinalist himself, Neiman Gracie. Hi, Neiman. Hi, good. Good to be here with you guys. You yeah, know? man. How are you feeling? Feeling great, man. Feeling great. Can't you, wait. You were, um, I think, candidly, I think it's fair to say you were like the big underdog in this tournament. Yeah. Maybe Ed Ruth was kind of because he was a bit newer in his career. Yeah. But here you are in the semifinals. I know you're not surprised by it, but do you feel um, already validated by some of the, the experience you've had already? Yeah, I think so. You know, especially because some guys were saying that Ed Ruth was like the dark horse, you know. So, yeah, I feel validated and... Uh, I knew what I'm, what I'm capable of, so it's just about show everyone else, you know. What were you expecting out of Ed Ruth? Exactly what happened, like it's a tough fight, you know. There was a tough fight. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to try to take me down. I, I thought he was going to use his wrestling to keep the fight standing, but uh, as soon as we clinched, he took me down. And he went to my guard, and I was like, "Whoa." Thank you, like, you know, <laughs> and then it became a very good uh, grappling fight. I think that fight was one of the best uh, grappling fights in a long time, you know. Certainly was. We're, so tell me about him physically. What, what was his base like? Super tough, man. There was positions that I got him for a sweep that I thought that I had the sweep and he bounced in and come back. I was like, damn, some arm bars there. I was about to roll him and I roll him. He bounced and come back. I was like, man, this guy is good, you know. 
he, I didn't feel him very strong. I felt him like very, like very good base. You yeah, know? but good balance. And great balance, yeah. Yeah, but then in the end, we, you got, listen, he tried to roll you, you had mount. Yeah. He, and you had the, you'd walked his arm up real yeah, far and he tried to roll and then you took his back and then from there you worked the choke. Yeah. So in the end, it was just what, your technical superiority, I suppose, in jujitsu? I think that was the first time in the fight that I was able to get on top, you know, and uh, that made the difference. He, Because the whole fight, he was on top of me, on my guard, and I was attacking a lot from the guard, you know, and uh, I was almost finishing him with a couple arm bars and other moves. But uh, as soon as I got on top of him, uh, I know pretty well how to put the weight on the guy, you know? Some guys that train with me, they say I feel much heavier when I'm on top, so. On, on mount or? Uh, on like mount, half guard, you know? Ah, so, okay, okay. And it's a great position, position that I like, that I use a lot. And once I get the back, that's my favorite position, so. How much has your jujitsu jiu changed for MMA? It changes a lot, man, it's crazy. Because regular jujitsu, I think it, it, your jujitsu gets down to like 15% of everything that you know. For, for 100% of jujitsu that you have, you can only use like 15 or 20% of, of the jiu-jitsu, you know, because hmm. a lot of positions you can get uh, hit with, like with punches and everything else. So there is a lot of things that you cannot use. And, uh, but since I was a kid, I always learned jiu-jitsu for fighting, you know. The jiu-jitsu that I learned wasn't for like competitions. So it's like a, a jiu-jitsu for fighting. So I think it's different. People always talk about, oh, it's without the gi. Okay, yeah. yes, it is without the gi. But the other part is, like, if you, I'm trying to figure out how to make this argument. If you watch jujitsu for MMA, you can, it, like, when you watch Demi and Maya. Yeah. If I watch Demi and Maya, even in no gi, yeah. he would have a series of sophisticated leg entanglements yeah, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Most of that goes away. I'm not calling it blue belt as in unsophisticated. Yeah. I'm calling it blue belt as in closer to fundamental jujitsu. It's like yeah. bluish, purplish, just really refined. Yeah, exactly. Is yeah. that a fair characterization? Yeah. But I think what works in the fight is the fundamentals, you know? So all those crazy moves that people see, like people flying around and going for crazy leg locks, all, all of these go out of the window, you know? And what really sticks is the fundamentals. So... And that's what I learned since the beginning, you know. So fundamentals, it's really, really important for are you, fighting. You're the, are you the best grappler in this tournament? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. How good is Douglas Lima? Really good, too. He's a very complete fighter, but I think he's more of a striker, you know. But his jiu-jitsu is very good defensive. He's, he has a, a very good guard. He has a very good uh, butterfly guard, too. So he, his jiu-jitsu is kind of like Rory's jiu-jitsu, I think. Is more designed for MMA? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Rory McDonald. So that's the yeah. one you're going to face. First of all, a title shot already. Yeah. How does that... That's kind of weird, right? Like, you're, you're not oh. even 10 <laughs> fights. You're, what, nine? This will be your 10th fight, 10th yeah. pro fight. I'm sure you've had many more in different circumstances. Yeah. But 10th <laughs> pro fight already in the title shot. Yeah, but it's not uh, something crazy for me. Like, I was expecting already, you know. Like, uh, I have seven fights in Bellator, and I have seven wins and six submissions. So uh, it was about time, you know, like... Yeah, man, and I can't wait to test myself, and I can't wait to try to be a world champion, you know? So Rory fought John Fitch. Yeah. Give me your impressions. The fight, there was a war between two great fighters, you know? And uh, I was telling people before the fight that John Fitch was going to bring it to him, and people were, like, counting him out. No, I think Rory's going to finish him and standing up, and it's going to be easy. I said, man, I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think anyone that fights John Fitch is going to have an easy fight, you know? If you see, I think he only lost for guys that are champions or fighting for a championship. So he's a very tough guy. He was able to 
to get the 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 the, the strikes that there are throws on him. He was able to eat them and get him down. I think it was a very tough fight. And I think John Fitch won, you know? You do? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Yeah. What did you see out of Rory? Because you heard his, we'll talk about his post-fight comments in a yeah. minute. People have said, oh, it's the same guy who was in the UFC. Mm, I'm not sure I buy that. I think it's, it's something, there's a step that's a little bit off. Do you agree? No, no? I think he's the same guy. Same guy? Uh, I think he's tough, man, you know? I saw him trying to kill John Fitch, you know? So, yeah, I think he, he's a great, he's still one of the best welterweights in the world, I think. Maybe top, For sure, that's true. Maybe top two or top three, I think so. And uh, it's going to be a tough fight, man. All right. Let's talk about his post-fight comments. Yeah. So they put a microphone in his face. Here's the thing that, you know this. Yeah. Right after a fight, are you thinking clearly? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard, especially after five rounds war, you know, so. Like, forgive, forgive folks, and uh, help folks understand, like, after yeah. the Ruth fight, because that didn't go the same length, but that yeah. was a crazy battle. And I went crazy after that fight. If you see that fight, I'm screaming, where's my bells? Like, going crazy. Yeah. I, and I'm never like that. I'm usually a, a very calm guy, and I was going crazy. And after that, I saw, I said, what the hell is going on there, you know? Sometimes you let the emotions take take part of you, especially after the fight is over, all the emotions comes out because us as a fighters, we try to hold the emotions, we try to hide them during and before the fight, you know? We don't wanna like be too emotional during a fight and before the fight. So we always try to, to keep the emotions in and after the fight is over, we put everything out and it's crazy, you know? So I think that that's what happened to him. He just put it out what he was feeling, you know? And, uh, so what, what about that, though? Because if the idea was, to your point, that he was feeling these things but concealing them, yeah, he was still feeling them. Yeah. So what do you make of the fact that he was feeling like, you know, he didn't, he, you have to have his words where you have to have a certain spirit to hurt another man. Yeah. I think he tried to hurt John Fitch pretty bad, you know. But I respect, uh, I respect that. I respect what he, he's feeling, you know. We fight in a cage in front of millions of people, the whole world watching. If you think about it, it's kind of a crazy thing, right? <laughs> to lock yourself with someone else inside a cage. It's and, not my job. <laughs> you know? So if you stop to think about it, it is a crazy thing to do. And I respect him if he, and he'd been in a lot of wars. So I respect if he doesn't want to do that anymore, you know? It's up to him. Uh, everybody has a certain time in this sport. And if he feels that, he doesn't have it anymore. It's okay. But I, from seeing the fight, I was there live. Oh, you were there? Yeah. Okay. So I think he tried to kill John Fitch. He just wasn't able to. And and he, he put it out what he was feeling, you know. But I think when we fight, it's going to be a tough fight. You know, I'm ready to die when I step in there. And I think he's going to be ready to die too, you know. You think he is? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. So I, don't, I think. I mean, it's, I believe you. And maybe yeah. you're right. I don't. When I say I don't know, I really mean that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's just you don't hear you don't hear fighters say that publicly very often, do you? Yeah, no. Usually, like, fighters tend to keep that, that into them, you know? Especially, like, sometimes they're scared and they never say it, you know, because they don't want other people to know. And I think he just let it out, and it's fine. You yeah. know, it's nothing crazy. I don't think it's nothing crazy. You know, have um, have uh, fighters that you know ever in the training room ever like told you they were scared? Uh, many or? times. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of hard, but sometimes you start talking to them and they open up. 
sometimes veterans of the sport, you know, they say, man, I was so scared before this fight in the locker room, you know. It's normal, man. Sometimes you're going to be scared, but like I heard one time before, uh, the, the, the courage is not the ausence of fear, you know. It's having fear, but knowing how to control it and doing what you have to do with that fear, you know. So everybody gets scared, but it's the difference you being scared and doing the thing or you letting the fear stop you from doing it, you know? That's the difference between a, a, a courage guy and, and, and a coward, I think. What about the idea of less so fear, but this desire to keep competing? Has a fighter ever come to you and been like, I don't know if I can do this anymore? Not, ma not many, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of guys think about it, but they don't say it too much, yeah. you know? We tend to keep a lot of things to ourselves, right, you right. know? And sometimes when we let it out, like people started judging you, you know? Yeah, so you, you're of the impression that he's going to be the Rory McDonald that you have been watching all these years. Yeah, man, I'm ready. I'm waiting for the best Rory McDonald ever, you know? So I'm training so hard, so I, I'm ready for a war, man. Let's let's talk about his game. Um, what do you, when you look at what Rory McDonald's good at, Yeah. what is he good at? I think his best thing is his striking, you know? He's very aligned with his striking. He didn't, doesn't overcommit on things, you know? I think his striking is his best weapon, but he's also very good uh, all around, you know? He has a good jiu-jitsu, he has a good wrestling, but I think his biggest weapon is his striking and his hands, you know? Uh, what about his ground game? It's very good too, he has a good uh, ground game, especially because my school and his school are kind of connected, you know? My teacher... Oh, right, because Faraz yeah, is Danaher's student, He's Danaher's right? student, so my teacher, uh, Danaher, He's also a teacher of them, and he's been on Rory's Corner, so he comes from a good lineage, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so how's that going to work for this fight? Like, um, obviously, Rory's going to train with Faraz, yeah. but what does what does John Danner do here? I'm going to keep training with John like I always do, you know? Yeah, and I think it's fine. We talk already. Like, John not going to be in my corner for this fight, but uh, I'm going to keep on training on his classes and with his students, you know? It's all good. Like, I never trained with Rory before. He'd been to my school before, but we never trained together. Mm. I think it's fine. It's just business, you know? We're going to go there, fight, and after that, we're, we're cool. If he wants to come back and train at the gym, it's fine. You've never had a, uh, an opponent that was uh, super bitter at you, super angry, right? Mm, no, I think only, like, two guys. I fought a, a Mexican guy in Bellator. In, um, Javier Torres? Yeah, he's kind of... Uh, he was kind of a dick, you know, <laughs> and uh, but that I felt good. That made made me more, gave me more power to try to finish him, you know. Yeah. Do you like that kind of thing about MMA? Uh, I don't dislike, but it's not something that I do. I'm usually a very calm guy, you know. And like I said before, I think about it as a business, you know. In the end of the day, I just want to go in there and compete and and win. So I don't hate the guy. I don't want to kill the guy, you know. It's just like, uh, I want to be better than him. I want to finish him, but it's not like I want to kill him, you know? But when you look around MMA and you see so many people getting attention from it. Yeah. It's a, what do you make of that? I think it's fake. Most of the time it's very fake, you know? Like people try to hype a fight. It's and, weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you see these people in person. Like I know Colby. I mean, if, here, I'll say this. Whatever your opinion is about Colby and what he does. Yeah. If you interact with him in person, yeah. he's a normal person. I it's a, like it's a weird thing. Yeah, I don't like that, you know? And when people try to fight him out of the cage, he pulls the phone, hey, you're trying to hit me. Like, 
where I come from, like I come from an old school in Brazil, man. If you talk something bad about someone's mom or anything, they go all the way in your house and they're gonna wait you downstairs under your house to, to fight you, you know? It's different. In Brazil, if you do such a thing like that, expect when you come in off your house, the guy will be right there to fight you. So that gets respect, you know? Like people don't do those things. What's the, uh, what's the phrase in Portuguese? Like something about like a dentist? Yeah, they say respect is good because it keeps your teeth in place. <laughs> what's, the, what's the Portuguese for it? Uh, respeito é bom porque mantém os dentes no lugar, you know? <laughs> that just sounds yeah. so much better in Portuguese. Yeah, it's better. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Vanderlei said to Sonny, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a well-known thing. It is, definitely, you know? Is that, a, is that a really a better way, though, to like to be violent towards one another? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, um, what's the best kind of society? Is it one where, through insult, we, we solve problems through violence or just to ignore people? I... A little bit of both, I don't maybe? Think, uh, <laughs> I don't think violence is the best thing, especially yeah. against people that are not fighters, you know? They don't know what they're doing. So, yeah, I, I never had, like, a street fight. I never... Being different from all the, the other guys from my family that yeah. had a lot of stories, I never had much, you know? Never fought much in the street. Yeah, yeah. My thing is more, like I said before, as a sport, you know? So I'm not a violent guy, so I think that's better. Let's talk about John Danaher for a second. Yeah. So two things. I bought, we had Gordon Ryan here. Oh, nice. So um, I bought his instructional on guard passing. Really good. That, wow. Hey, buy his instructional. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to, I'm telling you, man, it's I, really good. It was shot. By Jones and by Gordon. Okay, like, so that was the other part. And yeah. then I bought, so John has a bunch of instructionals, but I bought the attacks from the back. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not finished with it yet. Yeah. There is a, there's a level to sophistication on that yeah. that I don't think most people are aware of. Uh-huh. And it's a system, right? Mm-hmm. Now, did you, you didn't come up through John. You just trained with John now? No, I've been training with John for like a long time but already. Did you come up through Black Belt? No. Um, I came up through Hanzo and, and my father. Okay. And also from Gracie Barra, from Carlos Gracie Jr. Okay. So my story is when I was, I stayed in Brazil until I was 18 years old, until I was like a purple belt, training in Gracie Barra, the main school in Brazil. Then when I was 18, I moved here to New York and I started training with Hanzo since I was like a purple belt. Mm. But my father has a school one hour from here. So I trained with my father and I trained Hanzo. I trained with my father since day one. We used to train at the house and he showed me moves. But then I fine tuned here with Hanzo. And during that time training with Hanzo, since I was like a purple belt, I was already training with John. So I trained with a lot of people and I try to get a little bit of everybody, you know. There are many very good competitors. I don't know how many competitors in schools think about establishing systems and order in the way that John does. That's a John thing, I think, you know. How much did that change your game? That changes, that makes you improve so much faster, you know, because you have like things that you're going to do and he knows the results and he knows that the results gonna, is going to be better, you know. In the old, old days, that's how it used to be with the Gracie School in Brazil with uh, Carlos and Elio Gracie, you know. They had a, a, a whole system. Like uh, when you get into the school, you had to do like 30 c- classes of only self-defense and you learn all the self-defense moves, and you learn the hipscapes, and you learn the rules, and you learn how to fall, you know? So people used to get in the school, and they wanted to roll. 
back in the day. And mm. they say, no, 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 no. You got to do those 30 classes. When you finish with these 30 classes, then we're going to go to something else. So they always, that's a Elio Gracie thing. You know, he was very strict. So they had the system already and everybody can see that it worked. Right. So, and now John is doing kind of the same thing. He has his system, you know, and and it, just, it works, man. It really does. The Gordon Ryan guard passing, I, I couldn't believe. So how much do you train with like those guys? Like, I know Jake Shields is yeah, there too. Yeah, I train these guys every day, yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, all my no-gi training, I do at John's class. So I, I just trained with them this morning. How training, was it? Yeah. Well, but, Gordon's injured, right? Yeah, Gordon, but he still goes there and he watches the moves. He's just a maniac, you know. But uh, uh, Jake is training a lot. I train a lot with Jake. He's always a tough round. He's a monster. Uh, Gary, Gary's been training a lot too, you know. And it's a bunch of other guys too, so. You train with Nikki? Nikki Ryan? Yeah, I hate training with that kid, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody says uh, the same shit. thing. Yeah, and, and I'm training and I look for someone else. He's like, hey, you want to go? I said, yeah, yeah Nikki, I want to go. Yeah. And no, it sucks. He's super tough. And he's that that guy that when new people go to the school from another gym, yeah, they always pair them with Nikki, you know, like. And then he just runs yeah, over he them, kill them. It's so he's crazy. going up against Uriah Faber. It's gonna be great, yeah. Uh, you think Uriah stands a chance? Uh, Uriah is a very tough guy, but I think the sport has changed, so it's gonna be tough for Uriah, I think. But Nick is only what, it's 18, 17, so. Yeah, so he's still purple, right? Uh, I don't even know. He should be black belt, I yeah. think. <laughs> I think so as well. I wanna talk about being a Gracie, man. Yeah. Like, what is it like? On the one hand, being a Gracie, it must be great. Yeah. On another hand, man, that's, I'll be honest, it sounds like it's a burden time. Yeah, it's, there is two, two flips of a coin, you know? Like, back in school, I, I had to get in a couple of fights because I was a Gracie, you know? Hmm. And also, I, I didn't get in fights because I was a Gracie, because people respect, and there are people that just wanted to fight me, you know? So, and since I was competing in Jiu-Jitsu, the same thing. So there is two flips of a coin, you know? Like, uh, the, the good thing is that you get to learn from a lot of different great people, like different great masters. Like I have like what, 20 uncles and all of them know a lot of jujitsu. So you get to learn from a lot of good, different people. And uh, the bad thing is that you kind of, you have a target on your back, you know? But since I started competing, when, since I was very young, I'm, I'm used to, so that doesn't bother me anymore, you know? Are there like guys your age in the Gracie family who are like electricians, artists? Like, is everyone uh, a no. jiu-jitsu black yeah, belt? everybody's teaching jiu-jitsu. If they're not fighting, they, they teach in jiu-jitsu, yeah. Wow. So they, they, you don't even have a choice. You have. You have. It's just that it's there in your face and everybody's talking about. So you start training, playing around. Yeah, yeah. And you like training, you keep training, then you get your black belt, and then, okay, what are you going to do about, you know what, my black belt, I'm going to teach jiu-jitsu, you know, so... It's just there. It's so much easier for you to do that, you know? You know what's great about the Gracies now is that you've got Crone yeah. over in the UFC. Now you got you and Bellator. Yeah. There was a while there where there was... Yeah. The Gracies have always been on the map, and mm -hmm. they're always visible. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, more a little bit... Well, Crone was doing sport jiu-jitsu yeah. and, you know, had a match with Gary. I'm sure yeah. you saw the ECC, one of the great ones. Uh, but now they're getting back into MMA. It's been a long time since the Gracies had a premier top talents in several organizations yeah, at this point. Yeah, it's true, yeah. And we have other Gracies in... In Bellator, too, like we have my cousin uh, uh, Conry, uh, Hoist's son, yep. and we have my cousin Hobson. He trains here with me. He's coming up, too. 
So yeah, man, we, we're coming back, and we're coming back to take the gold, you know. So it was the it's the ne- it's the newer generation, right? Yeah, it's the new one. Yeah. What do you make about how Crone's doing? He only had the one fight, but he's doing great, man. He only had one fight, and people trying to talk bad things. Oh, it's Alex Caceres. Alex Caceres is damn tough, man. Who had beat him that easy like that in the first round? Who who did it? From the back, like that was pretty amazing. I Not also, only from the back, but I he fought with Ira Faber, and he did like a three rounds off decision. Yeah, you know. So you gotta respect, man. I'll say one thing about his stand-up that yeah. I noticed, and I'm in. I'm nobody's coach. But he did have the old Hickson yeah. step. And that when might, he came you, in the punch, he went under and yeah, yeah. clinched. You don't think that might get him into trouble a little bit later? I don't think so. No? Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how you fight, though. Yeah, I fight a little bit different, but uh, I think his style is really good, too, you know? And also, he goes there and he tries to trade punches. He's not afraid, too. No, he so. doesn't move back. Yeah, man. He goes forward. He keeps coming and coming, you know? So, yeah. When you've rolled with other Gracies, like... Yeah. Uh, there are guys who are well-known to yeah. the world. And then there are a bunch of Gracies who are moderately well-known yeah. or whatever. It's who's, normal. Who's, so many people. Who's the best Gracie you've ever rolled with? Boy, that's hard. Right? <laughs> yeah, man. But I think it was Hodger. <laughs> yeah, Hodger's pretty good. He's a good. monster, you know, and he's huge. When he gets on top of you, you only like can only move your eyes. It's it's, <laughs> it's it paralyzing. Sucks. It sucks. What man. about what about smaller ones? Because he's a bigger one. Mm. If it's not one, you can name a couple. Yeah, I have like my cousins are really good too. Like Gregor is really good. Igor, Hollis is too big. <laughs> yeah, he's huge. Yeah, like a bunch of people. Chiron, my cousin Chiron, uh, Hobson, Kiwan. So many people, man. It's, There's a ton now. Uh, aren't there more Gracies also now on the sport jujitsu scene as well? Uh, I feel like I've seen a few. Oh, yeah, it's Chiron. Yes. That kid is a monster, man. Yes. He's a uh, high son. Oh, uh, okay. And All right. he's. 17 years old, 220 pounds, Whoa. six foot four. That kid is a monster, now, man. Now, is he based out of Brazil still? No, now he's living here with us. Okay. We bring him over and then we're putting him to train really hard. And he's winning all the tournaments as a blue belt now, you know? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, you would imagine high on sun. Yeah. Would be... And he has that high on spirit on him. So it's tough. He's going to be tough, man. So when you compete in New York here. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's going to be a lot of your teammates. It's going to be a lot of your yeah. students. How does it work in the Gracie family when a Gracie competes? What's it like? Do all the Gracies reach out? Is it like is it a giant celebration or is it, you know, because the family's so big. Yeah, it's, it's very a little bit... big, but usually, yes, especially when we're doing good. Like some guys that I don't see for a long time from the from the family send me messages. Like, hey, man, good job, you know. Let's keep going. Let's get another one for the family. So it's a it's a big support, you know. Everybody's supporting. So but do good. people ever send you messages like, "Oh, you gotta you gotta uphold the Gracie name"? You no, know, they like, don't put that big of a pressure. But yeah. like, I receive messages like technical messages like, "You should have done this." Oh, next really? Time. Yeah. Usually, Hickson do that for me a lot. Like, I finish a fight and I call him. Hey, what what, what did you think about this fight? And he tells me, and he's pretty straightforward, like, hey, you should have done this and that. You lost this position, you cannot do it, you know. I usually call Hickson and ask him, and also Hanzo every time. Hanzo, he pulls me right after the fight in the backstage and starts showing me moves. There was one fight that he got the guy that I just fought. He bring the guy to the locker room. No way. And he put us to roll and, and, and asked me to do the things that I couldn't have done to do it again. That was crazy. And the guy had no problem with it? The guy, he was, he, he loved it. Yeah, that was, uh, what's his name? The Leprechaun, I uh, forgot his name. Oh, Roger Carroll. 
Oh, Roger Carroll, yeah. So yeah. he's also a jiu-jitsu guy. So after the fight, we roll in the backstage and we try to do the things that we couldn't do in the fight, you know? And I was looking at Hans, like, Hans, I'm kind of tired, you know? I want to <laughs> go home. No, 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 do this, do that. So we do a couple more rounds in the backstage, you know? Now, your, um, this is going to be a welterweight fight, obviously, because it's the welterweight tournament. We were talking about this a bit off camera. Yeah. You're a fairly, well, I wouldn't call you a huge welterweight, yeah. but you're not a small welterweight by any stretch of the imagination. How, how hard is that cut? Uh, it sucks, man. You know, like, it sucks, but it's normal. I'm against these uh, big weight cuts in MMA. Even though I'll, I'll, I'll do it, you know, but uh, I have to do it because everyone else is doing it. But I think we should change that. I think we should put the the weight divisions, uh, the, the weigh-ins on the same day of the fight, you know. So people stop doing this crazy because it's so dumb if you think about it. Everybody's kind of the same size and the same weight. And then we cut 30 pounds, we kill ourselves and we make weight and then we go back up a little bit. So we are the same size anyways. So why the hell are we killing each other before a fight to make weight, you know? I'm fighting guys the same size as me, so that's so dumb. Do you have professional help with your weight cut? Yeah, I have a guy, his name is uh, Daniel Dazan, you know, he, he helps me a lot. And he's been helping me in my last three or four fights, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so you get down what? What are you, what are you right now? Like 195, 190. Bro, I know lightweight's that big. Yeah. Which we were talking about Michael Chandler. Yeah. He walks around 190. Yeah, but he's not that big as, as his height. Yeah, you yeah know? he's shorter. Yeah, that's right. So usually the guys that I'm fighting are the same size as me. Everything's the same. So it's just dumb, you know? Um, all right. So who's going to be in your corner for this fight? Henzo? Of course. Yep. If he's not coming, I'm not fighting, you know? <laughs> I told him that already. Fair enough. You know? So Henzo's going to be there. My coach, Jamie Crowder. Uh, maybe my father will be there, like he, he's in every fight that I am. Maybe one of my cousins, maybe my boxing coach, uh, Angel. I don't know yet, you know, but usually Hansel got to be there, yeah. What is, um, like when you think professionally about your goals, obviously you want to be the champion, right? And then maintain it, win the tournament. Okay, it's a given. Making a lot of money matters to you? And I, here's why I ask that. It's prize fighting, but you'd be surprised how many prize fighters tell me like, eh, yes, of course, but... Mm. So when I started fighting, uh, my first purse was like ridiculous, you know. I didn't make any money. And some people in my family were saying, man, you can't do this. You don't get this fight. You cannot fight for this money, you know. Don't do it. Like, say, man, look, I'm not doing this for the money, you know. If they didn't give me any money, I would be fighting for free. But really? don't tell them, yeah, yeah, you know. So it's not about the money. But now... It is about the money because With I belt around your waist. Yeah, the game man. changes. So I kind of stopped teaching. I kind of stopped teaching privates. I stopped teaching classes a little bit. I'm just training, and I want to give a better life for my daughter and for my wife. You know, so yeah, I want to make money too. You know, how old's your daughter? She's one year old. Wow, just turned one. My wife gave birth last Saturday. Oh yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah, that's the real work, right yeah. there. <laughs> the first month, I'm told, is not that awesome. Uh, yeah, but it's not that bad too. You yeah. Wait for them to start walking around and crawling around the house. That's when it gets real. Oof, it's right. crazy. You're going everywhere to pick her up. Yeah, people told me like changing diapers. It's not that big a deal. No, it's not that bad. I mean, yeah. It's not awesome, but yeah. it's not that big a deal. The but bad things when they wake up at night, you know, and you gotta wake up and go there. Yeah. But my wife is awesome. She's the best. So she helps me with everything, you know. Yeah. Thank God I have her. So yeah, it's amazing. Well, I can't wait to see it. I'm gonna be there. All right. Uh, this will be Bellator 221. Neiman Gracie. Uh, last thing on this, I'll just say, man, if you win this whole tournament, like, dude, if you think about it, you'd have I'm to. I'm gonna get, win, man. 
okay, if, when, if, when, if, when. Let's, but let's say, let's, let's do the path here. You'd have beaten Ed Ruth. Yeah. One of the, be- literally, I don't know if you know this. He's literally maybe the top, one of the top 10 wrestlers of all time in yeah, college. Yeah, no, yeah, he's right? really good. Then Rory McDonald, the big signing from the UFC. Yeah. And then either Douglas Lima or MVP. Bro, that's a murderer's row. Yeah, Your man. profile would explode with that. We will explode. I knew what I was signing up for when I did it, so... Yeah, I can't wait, man. Yeah, I said Bellator 221. It's Bellator 222. Yeah. This will be June 14th at Madison Square Garden, your second fight there. That's to be kind of fun, right? Two That's times? That's be great, man. The two best places I've ever fought was there and in Hawaii. So yeah. I wish I can only fight there. Only Madison Square and Hawaii. By man. the way, the Hawaii card looked amazing. What was so fun about it as, a, was, as a competitor? That was awesome, man. Like, just the, 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 the atmosphere, everything was so, so good, you know? I felt at home, like I felt like I was in Brazil. I was about to say, the Hawaiians and the Brazilians? Very similar, it's yeah, crazy. They're different, but same, yeah, same, yeah. you know? And I have, like I've been going to Hawaii every year for a couple of years now because I love surfing. Yeah. So I knew everybody there, everybody are, are my friends there. So when I was wa- walking around and looking, I knew every, all the faces, so I was at home, you know? And afterwards I stayed there for a whole month surfing and was awesome, man. So uh, let's say you win this whole thing. Do you think you could convince Scott Coker to put a fight in Brazil? Definitely, yeah. And we're going to talk for sure. <laughs> put one in Brazil and in my neighborhood, in Baja. It's going to be awesome. That's where usually they have the the, the other shows at HSBC Arena, you know? Yeah, yeah, in Rio. Yeah, in Rio, yeah. yeah. So definitely. Well, you know what? It's been great to have you here in studio, it's man. my pleasure, guys. I, I really appreciate it. So Bell Tour 222. You'll be the main event, I'm sure, right? Yeah, oh, no, no. Well, is it you're the main event, or is it Chael versus? I don't know Lucia? yet. I think it's Chael and uh, and uh, Machida, but someone was telling me that maybe they're gonna change. It's I don't the title know. fight. Y'all should yeah. be in the main event. But they're gonna have another title fight that you guys should also watch. Is the Hiroguchi against? Oh, the, Caldwell. Against Caldwell. Yes. This time they're fighting in a cage, so it's gonna be Ooh, also a good uh, fight. Real quickly, who do you like in that one? <sighs> Tough fight, but maybe Caldwell. I think. Because he's a small around and they're gonna be in a cage, it's kind of yeah. different. You also, know? he was, before he got guillotined, he, he was, was doing winning. well. He was winning, yeah. So, Getting I, takedowns. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. All right, thank you so much. Thank you guys, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Don't miss this fight, I'm training super hard, I'm ready, and I'm gonna put up a show. Let's do it. All right, stay right there, here we have to go. I wanna thank everyone for watching today's show. Ali can't be here, we'll get him back on in May when he's in studio, so blame him, not me. Thanks to our guests here, Neiman, Michael Chandler, Rose Namajunas, and you guys as well. Keep sending the tweets, the MMA Hour with the hashtag 844-866-2468 for the sound off. And until next time, stay frosty.